New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Sky Nelson Isaacs. He's the author of Leap to Wholeness, How the World is Programmed to Help Us Grow, Heal, and Adapt. I'm speaking with Sky at his home by remote connection. Welcome, Sky, to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you, Justine. It's great to be here. Thank you. It's great to have you. You use a metaphor of a tree to illustrate how we make choices in our lives, and those branches lead to different outcomes. So how do we discern, how do we best choose the branches to pursue that will give us the fruit that we're looking for? Well, one of the things that the branching tree model gives us is the reminder that there are many apples on the tree. So when we have an attachment to one goal, we can look at the context separate from the content. So the content is the goal itself. What am I actually trying to accomplish with my job or with my family vacation or, you know, a conversation I'm trying to have with somebody? The context is how do I feel? And what's the experience I end up having? What are all the different influences that that are internal? And so when when I'm looking at life as a tree of possibilities and each of those possible branches has apples. Some of them have apples, some of them don't. And one of my goals is blocked. Somebody gets in the way of doing what I want to do. Somebody at work says, I'm not going to let you do that, that project. And you're like, well, now my whole vision is blocked. Well, recognizing that there's a lot of other branches that have the same experience, the same sense of satisfaction, the same sense of accomplishment, the same sense of self-respect or self-responsibility, all the things you want to experience, but in a different form. And so you look for different ways to achieve the same experience inside, but it looks different on the outside. And this gives a sense of non-attachment or a sense of flow because you're allowing yourself to be redirected by life into a direction that might make more sense and letting go of the specifics of what you want to accomplish in a given day. So where does synchronicity come in here? Is that something to watch for? The idea is that these apples, these future targets that we're trying to get to, are actually weighing down the branches. It's certainly not proven, but it's, there's a theory out there that I've published that says that this is actually how quantum mechanics ultimately uh, works, that there's macroscopic situations are obey the laws of quantum mechanics. That's a controversial idea. And that the future states can retroactively influence the weight of the branches that we're on. And so a, a synchronicity is a meaningful experience, which seems random, but it becomes evident later on that it's meaningful because it leads to an experience that we're seeking to have. So it leads to an apple, and the apple made it more likely to happen, but we don't see that in the moment. We All we see is that you know, somebody showed up at our doorstep with a package, and it's exactly the kind of thing that we needed uh, you know, to, to do the project we're working on. How did that happen? So when our lives are redirected, so to speak, it seems like, oh, we're being blocked in some way from something that we thought we might want to do, then we might relax into that and see another pathway. Yeah. What I'm aiming at in my second book, Leap to Wholeness, is about 
the filters that we have, the context of how we perceive the world, uh, the emotional state that we're in. So when we get blocked by somebody or some situation, it's more interesting to me to look at how I feel about that. Why is that painful or why is that difficult? And how can I react or respond in, a, in the most productive way? And often I find that when, a, when an obstacle comes up, when I can get out of my own reactivity, you know, I'm, not gonna, I'm just not gonna get angry at the person who, who did this to me. I'm gonna think about what's the impact on me and how do I learn from that? And then I start to see other opportunities to move forward. As long as I'm focusing on blaming the person that did something to me, I can't see the opportunities to move forward because I'm stuck on that particular situation. So this allows us to shift, pull back our mind and look a little more with a little more perspective at all the opportunities available to us. Okay, let me put you on the spot a little bit. Can you give an example of that in your own life? Yeah, so um, I was driving to an event where I was going to give a talk and I was nervous about the talk. So I got there a few hours early and was thinking I'm going to focus on, you know, sitting in my car and working on my presentation, you know, practice. And I get there and I pull up and my car battery dies. And so I'm immediately getting into a fear state, like, oh no, I'm now going to have to spend my next two hours calling the tow truck and dealing with my car. And I'm going to not at all be in a state to give this talk. But instead of getting into that fear space and being angry at life, I was able to shift and and look at the situation from the context of well actually what I'm what I'm nervous about is like connecting with my audience if I feel connected to the people I'm speaking to then there's no nervousness and so I'm going to get out of my car and see who I connect to and I did I got out of the car and immediately a few minutes later uh, a neighbor came out and asked if I needed help and we got in a conversation I had talked them into coming to my workshop so they ended up coming and I decided to text a friend who I knew might be coming that evening and asked if she wanted to go to dinner ahead of time. And the tow truck person came and all of this happened. And I actually had a whole bunch of connections that happened from that experience. And without the car breaking down, I wouldn't have actually been ready in the way that I was ready for the, for the talk when it happened. Right. So instead of just focusing on what was going wrong, you relaxed into it. I saw it as... Uh, not an accident even, as, a, as an experience that was actually trying to help me. So that's the mindset I take now. When something shows up that seems frustrating, I'm asking myself, well, how is this actually leading somewhere? Where is this going? And so I get pretty quickly out of the blame state and out of the fear state into a curiosity and excitement, wonder. That's wonderful. Being in awe or wonder really shifts everything, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that wonder and awe are experiences that are satisfying in and of themselves. And they happen when we peel back what we know about the world and see something at a bigger level. Like if we watch a movie about space and we learn that the cosmos is 10 times bigger than we realize or 100 times bigger than we realize or that there's a billion times more galaxies than we realize, like that creates a sense of awe and wonder because it peels back what we thought we knew and gives us access to like something much bigger than ourselves. And in doing so, it expands our own view of ourselves. And I think that's one of the most valuable experiences we can have. It gives us a sense of satisfaction just in and of itself and makes us more open to other people redirecting us or, you know, having a different opinion from us. We become more compassionate and more curious about others. Right now, we're in an epidemic of isolation. I mean, not only because of the pandemic and sheltering in place, but just in general, 
isolation and loneliness is an epidemic in our culture. And so in some ways, like wonder and awe takes us out of that and connects us with something larger than ourselves, even if it's a small thing. I mean, it doesn't need to be like how many galaxies are in the universe or the Grand Canyon or something. It might just be walking out of our house and seeing a hummingbird in a feeder. That's really insightful. I think that a lot of times we think that we want life to go well. We're always striving to have life go well. But it's actually the times when difficult things happen that we strip away all our striving for money or fame or uh, safety and security. And we open up to the wonder of being alive and the value of our relationships. And we, we, we actually touch into love, the experience of love, more directly when we're in adversity, oftentimes, than when we're, everything's safe and comfortable. So I think this is a welcoming uh, of, of adversity. As many Buddhist and other traditions talk about, many teachers have talked about this, uh, it's an opening. And I see synchronicity in that context as the way the cosmos is responding to us, not necessarily what we consciously want to experience, but what we, at a deeper level, will open us up further. And I've had the experience that once I understand why an experience is unpleasant or difficult, why I might feel shame in a certain situation or, you know, what kind of parental memories I have from my childhood of someone talking to me a certain way. Once I open to those experiences and remember and sort of begin to understand and heal them and peel them back a little bit so that I, I get to this the more tender part of myself that's not protecting itself, then I actually feel less wounded each time the situation comes up. So I can be actually become more resilient over time by welcoming adversity and finding a way to understand what's underneath the layers of pain and defensiveness for me. I know one of the tools that you advocate is self-compassion. I'd love for you to speak about why self-compassion might be an effective tool in our healing and growth. Well, self-compassion is... is kind of like the fundamental tool to me. It doesn't solve our problems. You know, by, by deciding to stop blaming myself for a mistake I made, I don't fix the mistake. But I do put myself in a position to then do what's needed to move forward. Because the minute I stop blaming myself and having that negative self-talk, the minute I sort of shift mindset and look at the situation more objectively and ask myself, what, what can I do here to improve things? A lot of times it's like a, uh, a relationship conversation that needs to happen, right? The, if I stop blaming myself for the nasty things I said in the last conversation, I can get down to why I feel hurt and what I want to say. I can get down to the possibility of apologizing or listening more deeply, and I can reapproach that person and have the needed conversation. But it only comes from having that self-compassion first. Yes. And so what are some of the choices that we might make that lead us to greater wholeness? Well, I think it's really important right now to listen. You know, we're, we are used to in our culture, I'm certainly used to as a man, this is a tendency that I have. I don't know if it's because I'm a man, but it's certainly the way I am. I wanna fix things. I'm uncomfortable with unresolved problems. So the minute somebody shares something with me, I wanna go in and sort of figure out if I can help and change it. And I think becoming comfortable with my own discomfort 
is stuff that can actually make other people feel comfortable with their discomfort and feel willing to share and feel connected. So that's one way in which we get around the isolation that we feel. Being more willing to sit with our discomfort builds bridges between us. Well, I, I think that that's true, that at least in Western society, we go for solutions really, really fast. We just kind of leap ahead. And so what you're saying is to sit back and sort of sit in the feelings and do some deep listening to ourselves and to others and then yeah. allow something else to unfold. And that something else is going to come from a sense of flow, an experience of openness. And that's what I mean by a leap to wholeness. We are whole human beings. We're never going to fix all the problems that we fa- inside of us, all the places that feel empty or wounded or sad. We're not going to, we're not going to get, you know, fix those and get rid of them. Wholeness is about embracing the parts of ourselves that are confident and optimistic, and the parts of ourselves that are pessimistic and in despair. And when we can embrace all of that for ourselves, we, we're less likely to go and fix every problem we see and come up with solutions. A lot of times the solutions we come up with don't actually solve everyone's problem anyway. They just create further problems down the road. Also, if we are experiencing things like grief or sadness, you advise to not be afraid of those feelings. I think grief is very important for transformation. It's through grief that we learn how to let go of a disappointment or a pain. And if we don't feel our grief, we're going to probably turn to other feelings like blame or anger. So a lot of times I find when I'm angry, I'm feeling grief. And when I'm angry, I'm going to create problems with my relationships. I'm going to hurt the people I'm with. But when I feel grief and I express that grief, I don't hurt people. So actually feeling grief allows us to stop perpetuating pain. Can you give an example of when you're feeling angry towards someone? Yeah, for me, parenting is an incredible practice and and teaching tool. I have a young child and I notice in myself a, a pattern that I notice also in my father and in his father, where, you know, I'm very calm and peaceful and loving. And then suddenly I lose my patience and I'm really angry. And I also notice that inside myself, I'm always angry or scared about something else. So I'm nervous about something going on at work, or I'm nervous about, you know, something that I'm afraid is going to happen 10 years down the line because I didn't parent my daughter effectively. You know, all these things that have to do with me and my fears, and it comes out as anger. So when that happens, I actually have the chance to stop it before it happens, redirect myself and become vulnerable, even with my young daughter and say, look, I'm actually, I feel angry, but what I'm really feeling is afraid of this, you know, doing something wrong here or something's going on at work that's making me upset and it's not about you. So then it opens up to her and she's totally able to manage that. So the grief actually opens a bridge instead of putting a wall up and creating a wound that she then perpetuates to her kids and then to their kids. And as we practice this um, more and more, does it become easier, Sky? For me, it becomes easier. I think there's different layers. So I'm more vulnerable with my family than I used to be. Then it goes to the next layer of how am I vulnerable, more vulnerable and more open with other people in different situations. Like as a musician is a whole different realm of showing up authentically for me and my professional work and talking to my extended family, like my parents. How do I heal those relationships? So I don't think we ever finish 
the healing process, but it definitely gets easier. I think there's, there's real breakthroughs and change that can happen pretty quickly when we are able to tap into the grief underlying our struggles. Well, may it be so. Uh, Sky, I want to thank you so much for being with us on the New Dimensions Cafe today. Thank you, Justine. It's fantastic to be here. I've been speaking with Sky Nelson Isaacs, and he's the author of Living in Flow, The Science of Synchronicity and How Your Choices Shape Your World, and also Leap to Wholeness, How the World is Programmed to Help Us Grow, Heal, and Adapt. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, synchronicityinstitute.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.